0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. New update. This is more of a helper update. May not be of any benefit for certain people listening, but feel free, please, to share this to people who may be curious about the topic. So you may know what it is, but you struggle to kind of def- define it and you want somebody to kind of listen to it. Feel free, please, to share this out to anybody else that to try to help them understand and wrap their head around these types of concepts, because as people get in new and I'm seeing a lot more new people get into cryptocurrency and that scares me a little bit. Obviously it's a good thing from a pocket perspective, but it scares me a little bit because I wouldn't want people to get involved that don't really know what they're doing. And then they start to lose the plot because there's so much to it. There's so much risk. There's so many different terms and so many different ways you can go about it. And you have a strong probability of having some bad things happen. And I wouldn't want people to lose sight of, the real reason for everything. So I want to just kind of talk through some concepts and let's start with this of burning. I already defined things like just crypto in general, but I also talked about market cap. Let's talk about burning because it's starting to be more of a buzzword in the crypto land and people who are new don't understand what that means and some may misinterpret what it is or what it's for. I talked about previously the idea of circulating supply, the idea that there's currency, in this case, cryptocurrency, that is not owned by anybody, but it's in flux. It's being bought or sold. It's moving. It's not at rest. It's not being held. It's it's out there and about. And then there's the idea of total, and total is just literally the total. Here's the total capacity, and certain tokens that are inflationary can add to the Circulating supply and the total supply because they're inflationary and their intent is to always have supply available. And then there's deflationary tokens where they purposely constrain inventory or have low capacity. Let's refer to the deflationary when we look at circulating supply. The amount of circulating supply and the price or the current price because it fluctuates of that currency will give you the market. Cap. However, what happens if you're trying to maximize the value, the overall value of the token or the crypto by way of a again, one of two factors. You want to make sure either the price goes up, which is perception, or you want to make sure the supply, goes circulating supply decreases. Well, with buy and sell activity, your circulating supply is not going to decrease. The only way you would ever have it decrease is for people to hold on to things. You want them to not transact, but that's not realistic because if you don't have buy sell activity, you can't increase the number of holders, right? If you have, let's say, a million tokens sitting out there and nobody is buying them, that means you're not getting additional holders. If nobody's selling them, that means there's no, none available for people to buy. So you're, you're hitting a capacity point. If everybody's just holding, there's a perception of value that's going to be derived from the fact that there's not that there's a constraint, or at least the perception of a constraint, but you're not going to have any sort of dramatic increase because there's no additional holders. You want to maximize the number of people holding an asset in order to increase the perception of the value of that asset. Incomes burning. If I have a circulating supply and And I see that just because of saturation that I'm not going to get significant amounts of additional holders. Now, remember, in market cap, it is an indicator of the popularity of a given currency or given token. And you see that it's going to go up and down based on that popularity. But what happens if the buy and sell activity just so happens to be roughly the same pool of people and you're not gaining additional holders? meaning you're not getting more people that actually are going to hold the token. So we're talking day trading now. There is such a thing as day trading in cryptocurrency. It actually is a thing. People think it's not, but it is. If you go to an exchange such as Coinbase Pro or Binance, you can actually quote day trade with cryptocurrency. The day trading is contributing to the circulating supply, but it's not contributing to the holders. Because it's not contributing to the holders, it means you're not increasing the number of people who hold the token and thus decrease the circulating supply. If you're following me, that means that the idea to get around that, once you hit that capacity point, is what's referred to as a burn, as one option. It's not the only option, but it's one option we'll talk about. When we talk about burning crypto, we're not saying that we're literally destroying, quote unquote, the crypto in the traditional sense you may be thinking of with paper. We're talking about making it, removing it from circulating supply and making it inaccessible. So it's somewhat of a hold. It's it's kind of a permanent hold in a place that really has no value to the place that it's held. What they've done is they've created this concept of a quote, dead wallet. And there's two different ways to think of the dead wallet. And there's a misconception about those. And I wanna talk about the differences. There's the dead wallet where the coins are held there, but nobody has access to it. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can withdraw from it. You can only put stuff in there. And it's visible to everybody to see that that number is increasing. That tells you that those numbers are being removed from circulation. Then you should be able to measure and watch and see that no additional coins are being added to circulation outside of what's already being held by people that are existing holders. Where you might have a holder who takes profit, that's going to happen. But it's not that there's a pool of circulation that is increasing because they chose to mint additional coins, even though the contract specified a certain number. So if I put it into this dead wallet and it just grows and grows and grows and grows, that is essentially, quote, burning because those tokens are not accessible to any, any of the existing or new holders. You can't buy or sell. You can't transact with them. They're just there. It doesn't affect the total supply. Why doesn't it affect the total supply? It doesn't affect the total supply because it's not supposed to, because the contract defined a certain total supply that is available and the separation, the difference between total and circulating is going to create a scarcity and a percentage of scarcity by way of a decreasing circulating. So think of it this way. If you had a million dollars and you took 500,000 of it and you locked it into a safe and you told somebody else to set the key on the safe. Now I'm going to get a little bit morbid here, but you told somebody else to set the key on that safe. So key in a code, I don't want to see it. And then that person drops dead. What's going to happen short of smashing this case the safe open. You're not getting that money back. It's gone. It's for all intents and purposes, it's out of circulation unless you destroy the case to get it out of there, which you could do, but let's say that safe is in Federal Reserve in Fort Knox. You can consider that money gone. Right? That just imagine if that were a thing, then that money is gone, it's out of circulation, it's no longer accessible. In the situation where we don't have gold-backed currency, there's not really an impact, and that number is so low it wouldn't make a dent in the total. But let's say the total circulating, which is around 3 trillion, 4 trillion, and you did that around Half that, you've made a significant impact from a deflationary perspective. The Federal Reserve can obviously, quote, print more money by their own words so they can avert that problem. So today, if money gets damaged, let's say the dollars get torn or something happens to the currency, they will replace. They'll take it out of circulation, that bill, and then they will replace it. There are coins that get minted. That have never been in circulation which means that they come straight from the mint and go straight to you those have never been circulated because you haven't spent them yet so there's this gap right of total inventory which is everything that's been minted but regardless of circulation status it is accounted for in total then there's the amount that is in circulation which means it's been transacted at least once Then there's the currency that gets destroyed, which we expect is replaced by new inventory, which may or may not be transacted. In crypto, because there is no Federal Reserve, there is no central authority outside of the contract and blockchain. That means that when we, quote, burn cryptocurrency, it is completely removed from circulation and it's not replaced in a deflationary token. In an inflationary token, such as Doge, that currency will eventually get replaced even if it was burned. They don't have any sort of controlled burn on Doge or other inflationary because that would contradict the inflation of the, co- of the token. So it's mostly deflationary tokens you would see the supply is we're purposely trying to constrain circulating inventory in an attempt to increase the value perceived of the token over time. Now, the dead wallet, again, is that one avenue of how to do that, which is I'm taking X amount of supply and I'm sending it to this place that's never seen again. Another way to refer to it is the black hole. Each of the tokens would have such a type of place. There's another byproduct of this that's not official, but it's something that you should understand. I gave the analogy of basically currency you cannot touch. It's inaccessible. It's out of the way and you're never going to see it again. Let's say that you were trying to transact crypto and you were trying to send it from A to B, but you jacked up the address that you're sending it to. If you send it to an invalid address, that crypto has gone. It's essentially, quote, burned because nobody can access it because it didn't get to the right place. There is no mechanism in place to, to check that address is valid because it would defeat the whole purpose of the decentralized structure. So you have to be careful about what address you're sending to, if you send it to an incorrect address without realizing it, and you're not going to know this up front, you could potentially lose all that crypto. There are stories upon stories of people who they just messed up the address. They tried to type it, tried to be fancy, and they messed it up. That crypto is gone. You're not going to re- restore it. So that also, quote, burns a certain measure of crypto. That means there's constantly a, quote, burn that naturally is happening because that crypto will never be in circulation, if that makes sense. Another byproduct of this is, let's say that somebody loses access to that address. Each address for cryptocurrency, whether it's a wallet or it's an exchange wallet or it's a hardware wallet, all of these, hardware is less so, but all of these assume that you maintain your security credentials, your whether it's a password and or your seed phrase and or your two-factor, whatever that control mechanism to secure it, it's assuming that you are backing it up and storing it somewhere to make sure you can always log in. You may or may not have seen the story, and if you haven't, go out and check the news, but the story of the family that bought Bitcoin back in, I think it was 2011, when it was worth absolutely nothing, and then apparently they were supposed to get a JSON file, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around which wallet this is but apparently they're supposed to get a json file they never got the json file there was at that time not the concept of a seed phrase so now they can't get into the wallet they can see the value of the wallet but they can't access any of the tokens that are inside of it the reason they can see the value is that every address for every wallet is visible on the blockchain so you can go out to etherscan or any dex tools or whichever and you can see the value that's stored in any given wallet, even your own, if you had the wallet address. You can't access anything in it unless you have the security credential that protected it. If at the time they had lost that credential, and this applies now, you lose whatever that security credential is, those tokens might as well be, quote, burned. They're gone because they're never going to be in circulation again. Nobody can access them. Nobody can get into them. It is extremely, I won't say impossible, but it's next to impossible to be able to get access to those tokens ever again. So you've got purposeful sending to this dead wallet. You've got, I jacked up the address and I sent it to another nether place that doesn't really exist. Those are essentially burned. Then you've got, you sent it to a place. It's a valid place, but the recipient lost that credential. So now they can't get in it. Those are essentially burned. Burning at its core says you are removing them from circulation. They don't remove them from the total because they still exist, but they are removed from circulation. Thus, they are going to, at some point, affect the price, the perceived price, due to scarcity of what's available in circulation. Now, I wanna talk about the other side of burning because this one's the less understood side of burning, and it's actually less used. When a token is first created, and it doesn't matter if it's Ethereum or it's Binance, but when a ter- token's first created, what a lot of the creators will do is they'll define a total supply. And today, for some bizarre reason, the popular number to choose is 100 quintillion. Wrap your head around how many zeros that is 100 quintillion, but the bottom line is they'll pick a number, and then what they'll do is they'll burn roughly half that inventory in this type of a burn it's not what i just described with these others it is a burn that removes it from total supply those burns if you were to look at them from etherscan you would see an actual burn you would see that it's literally removing it from total supply meaning it doesn't exist now we can go back and forth about why they would even start it at a number that's too high and only to burn it later but the bottom line is This type of a burn doesn't happen on an ongoing basis, generally speaking. It's more for that upfront burn of initial inventory for reason A, B, C. And you can see that they're removed from total inventory. So it was set up as inventory A, and then it became inventory B after they did this initial burn. The second burn, when it takes place, doesn't have any impact on value because there has been no transactions as of yet. There has been no circulation changes as of yet. The price that we perceive has not been fully determined or vetted as of yet. And sometimes they may think that the growth of the token, they may over or underestimate it. So they lead in with a number, having all the lofty goals in the mind. When the reality sets in, it's like, okay, we need to kind of level set what we're doing. In a perfect world, we would base circulation on something fundamental. In stock, that's the value of the company and you split that value into increments and those become shares. When it's a new token, you have no baseline to go off of. You don't know what the value of it is because, as I said, the price is perception. There is no real price until people start transacting. They're not going to transact until you create some sort of utility and visibility and a marketing plan to get the word out. In a better strategy, you would start lower. The reason that, and then you would mint up. The reason they likely don't do that is because it will change the price vector. Your price will go up faster than you want it to. So they're trying to give some steady growth to maximize the number of holders. Because as I said, the circulating inventory is what creates the market cap based on the perception of price. The perception of price is largely based on How many people are actually holding this thing? So they're trying to strike a balance between how many people are holding and a reasonable circulating supply to have healthy activity without dropping the coin dead in the water. So when you do the second burn, it's kind of an after the fact. Okay, we set it up and then we burned half the inventory to kind of appeal to people rather than, hey, we set our initial inventory, the total inventory at something that we know is reasonable based on a true valuation of X. Now, I'll wrap this up to say this. Not every coin does a burn. The ones that do a burn, not every single one of those has a fundamental reason why they're doing it or a defined, structured way that they do it. So when you hear that there's a burn potentially happening, you still should do due diligence as to the reason for the burn. Because a burn could also be an artificial inflating of a price for something that really is not going to sustain. So in a deflationary token scenario, you don't want to have that a ser- situation where they're burning tokens just because they can't get people to buy in and they're trying to artificially pump the price. It is okay to have a healthy burn that is transactional in nature where it happens as people perform the normal buy and sell activities because that's a natural deflationary strategy where we're trying to increase the value gradually over time, basically as a reward for people to transact with it. That's probably okay because it also puts their money where where their mouth is to say, we know it's going to increase in value. As a result of it increasing in value by natural transactions, we're also going to do this burn to kind of increase the amount that it changes and hopefully encourage more holders to jump into this. If you run into a token where they're just saying, yep, we're going to just basically do a burn of, you know, 500 billion or 500 trillion or some arbitrary number, and there's no real logic behind it, you probably should be skeptical of it unless if they can tell you the long term strategy behind it. Shib, as an example, did an initial essentially a burn because they gave a bunch of it to the founder on Ethereum who then donated it. And to a wallet, a dead wallet, and then donated a portion to India COVID. Well, those were good use cases. He didn't financially benefit from any of it, and it ended up good for everybody. But was that the right strategy? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We don't know. But it's something you want to watch out for in newer tokens. Are they trying to copy that same, knowing that it's not a viable strategy? You're just artificially creating a price pump. So be unaware. uh, Be aware of burning and how it works, and just. Be careful. Do your due diligence. It's not a bad thing. It's just something you want to be aware. There's levels to burning.